Good afternoon. Welcome to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting marketing trade when you look at the fact that we played negative most of the day. And then right at the end, we got that little bit of surge that happened. We're going to talk about what turned those soybeans around. Was there any factors that weighed into it? From a livestock perspective, folks, unfortunately, I'm not going to have those cattle inventory numbers for you. But that report has been kind of weighing in factor as well. More importantly, second half of this program, you're not going to want to miss because we're going to be talking about what are you doing right now? What is your plan? This is the end of January. Do you have a plan in place? All these great details are going to come from the one and only Heather Ramsey with the ARC Group. And Heather, let's kind of start out talking about the fact that we saw that last little bit of surge um, at the end of the trading session for these soybeans. Yeah, it was quite the day, actually, because, I mean, when you look at what happened yesterday, that was so positive. It felt so great. I think everyone was hoping we'd piggyback. And then, yeah, it was negative. Like, overnight, beginning the trade, everything was negative. And then, lo and behold, the last I, 20 minutes, um, we put in a positive move on soybeans, both the old crop and the new crop. Um, what's going on right now is we're back into the how big is big debate with South American soybeans. I think soy oil um, has mellowed. I won't say that it's corrected, but soy oil is mellowed a smidge here. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty around that crop size, like I said, in South America. And so the question is like, is there more bearish news to actually talk about? So it's kind of got funds thinking, traders thinking that like maybe we're here. Maybe maybe we need to see where we go on this crop size before we try to push things any lower because this is this is pretty low. This is um, this is saying we're we're doing you know world record crop production here on soybeans um, at these levels, and so we saw that um, kind of turnaround at the end of trade. And I think the the good thing to point out on that is when you look at yesterday's move and today's move, we put thirty cents into these old crop soybeans. That's a lot for two days for us. I mean, the month of January has just been, you know, kind of awful when it comes to putting together some positivity. So, you know, to see a 30 cent um, move in two days then on old crop beans um, is a pretty good, pretty good feeling. And I, and I will also mention on new crop beans, we've really um, had a hard time breaking over $12 futes. And every time we do come up to $12 futures, we tend to correct backwards a little bit. Today, here we are, we're closing um, right at that $12 futures mark. And that's, you know, that's the last trade of the session there was right at $12 futures. So um, it's kind of an important important neighborhood to be in for soybeans, honestly. So is the, is the soybean, I mean, we saw them with a lot of positivity all day long. Are they working on something that's causing for the, the push that we've seen today? On is an overall like arbitrage of like where are commodities coming from in the world? Um, soybean meal from that standpoint, it's a little bit more of a hot ticket item. It's kind of picked up this week, uh, a little bit more of a hot ticket item, um, from a global standpoint, like trying to make sure we've got feed needs secured has been, um, a little bit of the name of the game here for the first three days of the week. So the soybean meal being positive definitely plays into that overall soy crush mix. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a soybean farmer, you need to be paying attention to soy meal and soy oil to kind of understand what's coming your way. I mean, we've seen an overall drop off in soy oil. And even though soybeans tried to hang in there through the end of the year, they just couldn't do it. Again, such a decrease in soy oil. Um, Soy meal had kind of been ahead of that. And now we're seeing a little bit of a correction there. So, I mean, in general, both of those 
um, play into the soybean pricing. Very, very, um, you know, very, very important to watch both of those. It looks like we're trying to secure feed needs kind of worldwide right now. And soy meal is obviously a big part of that. So I'm curious because we've been talking about it on and off now for the last day. How much truth is this talk of a Brazilian port strike happening sometime this weekend? Um, I, I think reading everything that I've read, it seems like a pretty high likely, you know, type of thing. What I say is I don't know that I buy in it to it being a longstanding strike. Um, what we've seen over the last several years of these types of situations is that we reach agreements much faster than we than we have in the past. You know, I can remember the days. <laughs> I sound old now, Susan, but I can remember the days of you know month long strikes. You know, month long strikes when you also weren't the primary exporter back in that. You know, early two thousands, you weren't the primary exporter. It was kind of like, oh, okay, you know. Uh, it's much more critical to get everybody back to work now than it was before. And so could a strike happen? Yes, it definitely could. Uh, is it a long standing type of event? I don't think so. But with the boat lineup and everything else going on down there, I mean, any sort of delays just adds up really, really quick. You know, it's, it's, um, I read it somewhere and I can't remember it verbatim, but you know, like one day down is like a three day you know, boat delay, something like that. So it's a pretty big deal. I think everyone will be incentivized to um, come to agreement faster than maybe what we historically have seen. Okay, so what about this? What about this corn market? Can it give itself a positive boost after the struggles of today? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, Corn market is, especially regionally when it looks at basis and then futures prices are always super reflective of what's going on in the U.S. I think it's going to help us that we're getting our ethanol production back in line with what we expect to see this time of year. You know, that cold snap, you know, was great for our localized basis if you could get out of your yard and haul corn. Um, but it was terrible from a, an ethanol grind standpoint. We really slowed it down. We had to slow down. Otherwise, we were going to run out of corn um, at these plants and to run out of corn and, and, you know, hurt fermentation in the wintertime is just not acceptable. So they slowed it down significantly. We did see an uptick in um, U.S. ethanol production. Well, stick around, folks. More is coming up. It's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Let's have another channel chat with Grant Bailey. Grant and his wife Mackenzie own Bailey Ag Solutions near Norton, Kansas. Well, Grant, with the channel and regional brands coming together, what do you see as the advantages? Well, what I see is we're, we're merging multiple strong portfolios um, to bring our customers more options to use on their farms to make them more profitable. What are you most looking forward to with the new channel brand? Probably the momentum channel has a good strong momentum right now um, but it, it's a great brand with strong products uh, this is only going to make us stronger and have a better market presence uh, nationwide well channel is here to help farmers rise to the challenge for more on the new channel brand you can contact bailey ag solutions at norton your local channel seed professional or go to channel.com slash rise always read and follow pesticide label directions grain marketing and other stewardship practices
Welcome back now to the channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Our conversation's continuing with Heather Ramsey with the ARC Group. And again, this is a segment. I hope you're going to grab a notepad, a paper, pencil, whatever you need, your phone to take notes, because we're going to ask you some serious, tough questions, things that folks should have been thinking about. And Heather, I think that really comes to the fact that you and I were talking before we started the program was, I wonder what people are doing for their marketing plans. I spoke at an event on Tuesday and there was not a lot of response when I asked. And I asked some folks at a fire meeting uh, last night in Battle Creek. Hey, do you guys have a marketing plan in place? And they looked at me with deer in the headlights. So obviously it's it's more widespread than what, what I'm seeing. Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting because so I'm I'm approaching my my ten years in the risk management consulting commodity side of the business, right? And in ten years, there's been two that were easy and fun, and you could have gotten away with doing whatever you wanted, and it worked out. And those two years are actually the most recent two years. Um, and I, so I think I, I, I think what's going on here is just an overall fear of what is to come. Um, we're looking at 2024 and in my opinion, everything kind of feels very 2013 to 2018, 2019 vibes, right? Like, um, you look at your numbers today and you're like, man, this market, it doesn't work on soybeans. It maybe kind of sort of might break even on corn if I've got my debt structure right, if I've got my, you know, financing right, if all the stars align, right? But otherwise it doesn't. And there's a lot of pressure to figure out how do I make it work? And so what we're seeing is even in my client base who's been with me now for 10 years, there's just an overall reluctance to do anything. And what I keep reminding them is that there is consistent decision-making that has to happen every year, right? Like you have to go at this from a very disciplined standpoint, from a what do I always do? I got to keep doing it. What has worked, what hasn't worked, evaluate those things. But more importantly, we're getting into a time frame where if you're looking at forward selling, this is the time to be selling. And that's the Feb to June window, you know, March to July window for corn and beans. And so needing to get those marketing plans in place, it's, it's not about go out and execute everything today. You know, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is know what you're going to do. You know, get that plan ordered up. Like get it written down so you know exactly what your targets are, what you're trying to take action on, what you're trying to protect. And so that's the conversations we're having with our clients right now, you know, for us. We have a, a base kind of product that we use that is just our consistent it is, um, it's a quality product. It returns value every single year. So we're averaging daily here for specific windows on corn and soybeans. And that kind of gives us uh, it's kind of our workhorse product, you know, and it, it gives us an idea then of here's something that started and then we can watch the market around this average. When we get premium in the market, it's a no brainer. It's time to sell more, right? So we're trying to get that on and set up with guys. And I think, you know, just, what we talked about earlier, the pricing, the structure looks so um, unfavorable compared to the last two years. It's, it's hard to get motivated to do anything. But I really think it's important that we, we do. We try. We execute. We, we write things down and put plans in place. Um, you work with a partner in your marketing who you trust to help execute um, as you go along as well. So that's what's been going on, at least in my world. Um and I, th- I think that stems from 
you know, like we talked about earlier, um, the numbers just, they're tough. Do you, <laughs> do you think, though, it's it, Heather, it's the fear of the unknown because, you know, I've always done it this way. I'll just play it by ear um, for those that do it that mm-hmm. way. But knowing how influential these outside markets and this geopolitical is, you really got to have mm-hmm. a plan in place. Yeah. The fear of the unknown. I think there's a lot of factors that everyone gets really concerned with that honestly don't really matter at this point in time of the year. You know, I'm hearing a lot of, oh, but it's an election year. You know what? I don't know that it matters on January 31st. I don't know that it will matter on March 31st. You know, I think what matters to the farmer is totally not dependent on what's going to happen in November. Maybe after the fact, when we're then looking at 2025, it does something to give us an opportunity or, or to position the market, right? But I think at this point in time, you have to worry about the things that you can actually control. I, yes, I can vote, but I can't control who, who wins in, in November, Right. But I can control what type of protection I put on my corn and I put on my beans. Um, the same thing with this, you know, South American crop. Do I hope that the South American crop is shorter than everyone thinks? Yes, of course I do. I'm sorry to the South American farmer, but, you know, I need that. I, I need that pop to, to put some premium back in this old crop market and this new crop market. Right. Do it. But I can't control it. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, 402-484-7474 is the local number. All right. That is today's Channel Final Bell brought to you by the Channel Seed and the Channel Seed Professional right here on the Rural Radio Network.